Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Billboard Pop Shop Podcast. I'm Keith Caulfield, Senior Director of Charts at Billboard. And I'm Katie Atkinson, Billboard's Executive Digital Director, West Coast. How's it going, Katie? Not too bad. How about yourself, Keith? I am all right. If you hear any sounds, it is just the dryer in the other room. Uh, and I'm Katie in, has a washing machine. I was going to say, so. I'm in Los Angeles and there's a rainstorm happening. So could be all sorts of noises uh, on, on today's podcast. Who knows? Um, that's what you come here for. You come here for talk about <laughs> garages, floods, washing machines, right? dryers and pop. Right, right, right. Because as always, the Billboard Pop Shop podcast is your one stop shop for all things pop on Billboard's weekly charts. In addition, you can always count on a lively discussion about the latest pop news, fun chart stats and stories, new music, and guest interviews with music stars and folks from the world of pop. Today on the show, it's a rather exciting week on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart as both The Weeknd and Beyonce notch new top 10 hits. Plus, David Guetta and B.B. Rex's I'm Good hits a new peak, and Taylor Swift's Antihero jumps back to number one for a seventh week, tying for the most weeks atop the list of any Swift song. Plus, on the Billboard 200 Albums Chart, SZA's S.O.S. clocks a fourth straight week at number one, becoming the first R&B album by a woman to spend its first four weeks atop the list in nearly 30 years. What was the last album to do that? Well, I will tell you in just a moment. The Coachella lineup just came out. <laughs> Breaking news. The Coachella lineup just came out, everybody. Literally while we're recording. I might as well just literally well, and Katie probably finish. has to post this. I'm just going to finish the intro real quick and then we'll get back to that um, in one moment. But also on the show with the Grammy Awards less than a month away and with the final round of voting having closed last week. We're taking a look at the likely winners of the big four categories as forecast by our expert awards editor, Paul Grine. Will Beyonce finally take home the coveted Album of the Year trophy for Renaissance? Might Harry Styles snag Record of the Year for As It Was? Or could Adele swoop in and block both superstars? Well, we'll get into all the Grammy prognostications in just a minute. And I'll let you know who's headlining Coachella. (laughs) (laughs) But first, before we get started, if you enjoy the podcast, subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast provider so you won't miss an episode. And if you want to explore more podcasts from Billboard, visit billboard.com slash podcasts. Keith, would you like to know who's headlining Coachella? Can can I guess first before you tell me? Sure, please. Guess away. Uh, Bad Bunny? Yes. Okay. Um, 
And that's kind of all I got. Who who else is headlining? Well, Frank Ocean was the one who was who seemed oh. kind of locked in because he had been announced as a 2020 headliner before the show got canceled that year due to COVID. Okay. Um, and so it had always been said that he couldn't do last year and he was going to push till this year. So here he is headlining okay. Sunday night. Bad Bunny's Friday night. A little bit of a wild card on Saturday night because there was a lot of names floating around, namely uh, our Super Bowl headliner Rihanna had been thrown around, uh, Justin Bieber had been thrown around, but headlining Mm. Saturday is Blackpink. Wow. Yeah, that is a probably the biggest American look for them ever. That's huge. That's that's wild. Huge. K-pop phenom, girl group, Blackpink. They have a number one album on the Billboard 200, right? That, That is true. They sure um, did last year. And so uh, Rosalia is actually going to be playing the same night right before Blackpink. There must have been some interesting conversations to see who would be headlining on Saturday uh, night because you needed a woman to headline and, you know, yeah, there was probably a struggle. No shade to Bieber, but when his name got tossed in as the third, I was like, you <clears> can't come up with another female artist like to break up the dude party. So Blackpink, obviously, they could come up with three female artists to play. Wait, four. Are there four women in Blackpink? Oh, my God. Yes, there are. They came up with four women in Blackpink to uh, to headline on Saturday. So that's there you amazing. go. Truly breaking news. Like we literally I mean, started recording. And that's, here, that's, here it is. Do you need to actually uh, step away and post something? I'm pretty sure my colleagues are on top of it um, uh, because we had we had this prepared. We knew this was coming. So. Um, well, so aside from the Coachella news, um, I want to tell you about a little piece of exciting news on my end. Yes. Um, I saw a very cool concert this past weekend um, by ABBA. Oh, well, uh, I thought they weren't touring anymore, Keith. <laughs> they aren't touring and they haven't toured since, you know, like 40 years ago or something like that. But they have this new uh, concert slash custom built installation thing that's happening in London called ABBA Voyage. It opened last summer, um, so it's been running for a while. Um, it's a custom built, purpose built venue specifically for this show and uh you and about three thousand other people watch the show and it's it's like you're watching a concert with virtual representations of abba as if they were in 1979 but you can't tell sort of where the screen begins and where the screen ends it all looks very real it is is there a moment where you wonder if there are like human beings on stage when they first hit the stage yeah and i'm you're looking at the stage as is everyone else in the audience and we're all leaning in going are those projections are those is that a film is that a hologram <laughs> i are those humans are they people in wigs you can't tell um now granted when they blow them up um big on the screens around you you start to see this sort of the CGI happening because Industrial Light and Magic, the people that do all the amazing special effects for every Hollywood movie you've ever seen, right. um, created these digital uh, representations of ABBA as if they were in 1979. But all the all the um, all the performances are based upon ABBA today. The four members of ABBA who are still with us performed in a, a motion capture studio to capture all their movements and performances. That was coupled in a computer with uh, professional dancers who mimicked the movements of ABBA to give them a different kind of youthful grace. Um, There is a 10-piece live band that performs with ABBA in the show. It's so immersive. It's so 
eye popping. It is just really, really fantastic. And the, and it's not just something you're watching on the screen, but it's also something that envelops you. There are lights that come down. There are things that move. There are you, it's just it's just really, really, really cool. And I would happily go see it again, mm-hmm. even though I know I'm watching, you know, computer stuff happening around me. It's just it's well, just that it's just that to- in, in, enveloping. I have to say that one of the coolest things about this one in particular is I feel like there's been a lot of like talk and hand wringing around holograms or projections of late artists. But the fact that the artists uh, in this case, ABBA, were involved in the creation of this and not only involved, but Keith, you were saying that they actually like did the movements, right? Like, oh, yeah. that's that's incredible. Like that. I feel like as a fan, you can enjoy that uh, knowing that it's like fully artist approved, you know? Uh, it was funny, like uh, there's a there's a uh, th- yes, that is correct. Um, unlike, say, a Whitney Houston hologram tour or Tupac popping up as a hologram. Hey, right. at Coachella, um, <laughs> this is different. This is endorsed by and has the involvement of ABBA. And when you see these digital representations of ABBA, it is actually from based upon motion capture of the four members of ABBA who did it just a few years ago, you know, at the current age that they're at. Right. So. Um, it's really cool. It's really amazing. And there's talks that this could actually um, travel to other continents in the future. So hopefully if you're not North in America London, soon. Yeah, you never know. It could come to North America. Maybe it'll go to Asia. Who knows? <laughs> um, all right. Let's do the chart chat. Uh, first off on the Billboard 200 album chart. SZA's SOS spins a fourth straight and total week at number one, having debuted atop the list a month ago. The set is now the first R&B album by a woman to spend its first four weeks at number one since Janet Jackson's Janet ruled for six weeks, its first six weeks, way back in the summer of 1993. That's pretty incredible company, SZA. It is. Uh, also, SOS is the first R&B album by a woman to have four weeks at number one, um, you know, regardless of whether they're consecutive or the first or whatever. Since Alicia Keys, uh, with her As I Am album, it had four non-consecutive weeks um, at number one in late 2007 and early 2008. So, Keith, do you think there's any chance that SZA could hold on for a fifth week? I mean, I wouldn't be surprised, but I think the wild card here is... The um, new Young Boy Never Broke Again album, which came out last uh, Friday, yes. called I Rest My Case. It's his first album on Motown Records after a plethora of albums that he released <laughs> last year on Atlantic to close out his contract. And, you know, uh, I I wouldn't be surprised if, say, Taylor Swift's Midnight's pops back to number one. Anything is possible. Don't ever count never, out Taylor. Never count out Taylor. No. Um, next up, over on the Billboard Hot 100 Songs chart. Uh, as the holidays are fully and completely over with on the chart, as it is on the Billboard 200, where every holiday title on both the Hot 100 and the Billboard 200 have all left the North Pole or headed to the North Pole for the rest of the year. <laughs> they're going back they're to gone. the North Pole. <laughs> yeah, they've all gone back to the North Pole. Mariah Carey is back in hibernation. Um <laughs> Well, you know what I mean. Yeah, uh, no. <laughs> that gives that that frees up space on the Hot 100 for all of the non-holiday fare to move back up the chart. And boy, howdy, does everything move up this week? So we've got Taylor Swift's "Antihero" going back to number one for a seventh non-consecutive week. It jumps eight to one. 
that ties blank space as Swift's longest leading number one. Wild. But but wait, there's more. Uh, <laughs> Sam Smith and Kim Petras' uh, former number one, Unholy, jumps 10 to 2. David Guetta and Baby Rex says, I'm good. Blue hits a new high, jumping 19 to 4, beating its previous peak of number seven. And here we were telling BB like three months ago about going to the top 20. Now she's in the top five. It was all because she was on the show. That's really <laughs> That's what right. happened. That's the pop shot um, bump. <laughs> yes, it's, we're, we're almost equivalent to the Grammy Awards right. in terms of impact. Um, also, there are two new top tens this week. Uh, the Weekend's Die For You hits the top 10 for the first time, rising 26 to 8. And Beyonce's Cuff It also reaches the top 10, bolting 38 to 10. So, Keith, when did The Weeknd's Die For You actually come out? 1992. <laughs> right. <laughs> it came out the same year as Janet, the Janet album. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, Katie, I think it, it, it came out on the Starboy album in 2016? Correct. Yes. Yes. yes, and you, you were telling me some history about the song earlier. Can you refresh my memory? Yeah, I was shocked to see that it was actually intended to be the fifth single from Starboy. Um, and I think it even was released um, for uh, airplay with like R&B stations, but it never got the full push of a single back in uh, 2017. I guess it would have been the year after the album came out. But... Uh, when it started get to gain traction on TikTok in 2021, so not last year, but the year before, the Weekends team actually put out an official music video for it. So in fall 2021, before Dawn FM even was released, his most recent album. Um, and then obviously, I guess they foretold the future because now it's in the top 10 of the Hot 100. Um, but it's just, you know, in a, we've been talking a lot for the last you know year about bizarre trajectories of older songs. And I'd say this is one of the more bizarre ones absolutely um and there's another sort of... one on the hot 102 <laughs> keith well yes there is another one this week in in uh, an even older song because yeah. lady gaga's uh bloody mary um which was originally uh, found on the 2011 album born this way it debuts on the hot 100 at number 68 this week um so it's on the chart now because it went viral thanks to um, keen eagle eye Lady Gaga fans who took a clip of the new Netflix show Wednesday, where the main character named Wednesday Adams, based on the Adams family character, um, does a dance sequence. And uh, fans of Lady Gaga took this uh, footage and combined it to uh, Lady Gaga's Bloody Mary. Of course, the snag here is that in the actual Wednesday show, Wednesday is not dancing to Bloody Mary. She's dancing to another song called Goo Goo Muck by the Cramps. So kind of sucks for the Cramps not having this amazing <laughs> they, moment. They've seen a bump, too, but not to the extent of uh, no, it's of a little Bloody bit different. Mary. Um, but uh, I, I, I feel like fans literally heard the, you know, I dance, dance, dance with my hands, hands, hands line from Bloody Mary and thought, oh, hey, she's doing choreography with her hands. So let's use that bit of the song. And uh, Stephanie Germanata thanks you, little monsters, for uh, your crafty use of It was of, Lady Gaga who did song. this herself with some home editing <laughs> software. You never it's know. Gaga's, it's Gaga's uh, burner TikTok <laughs> that started yes. this dance challenge. Yes. <laughs> uh. 
Oh, and by the way, um, Bloody Mary now uh, also soundtracks the latest Wednesday teaser for the second season of the show. So, you know, it's just all coming full circle. Of course it does. (laughs) Keith, it's also been promoted as a proper single, right? Now? Bloody Mary? It has. Did I not say that? I'm so sorry. It it has been promoted as a proper single. It's been sent to Top 40 Radio. There's even a sped up version of the song because that's what you do in 2022. (laughs) Or 2023, <laughs> whatever year it is, <laughs> whatever year we're in, I look forward. I look forward to Coachella where they just do sped up versions of songs. Oh my god, it's like it's not Blackpink headlining; it's Blackpink sped up. <laughs> <laughs> it's just Blackpink colon sped up, or the demo version. Oh my god, oh boy. All right, well, moving on. With the Grammy Awards less than a month away on February 5th and with the final round of voting wrapping last week, we are taking a look at what could be the winners in the big four categories as forecast by Billboard's awards editor, Paul Grine. So last week, Paul wrote a story for Billboard.com where he reviewed each of the big four, album of the year, record of the year, song of the year, and best new artist, and divided each category's 10 nominees into groups of little chance of winning, Long shots and front runners. And for each, he also declares his likely winner. So let's take a look at record of the year first. Keith, remind us what record of the year uh, is awarding. Well, record of the year is an award for. Uh, <laughs> Please, in a new voice. <laughs> for uh, the artist, uh, producer, mixer, engineer. It's basically for like the production and the performance of a song versus. Song of the Year, which is a songwriter's award. So that award goes to the songwriters of the song, which may not always be the same as the artists and producers. And that's why you'll see differences between the nominees for Record of the Year and Song of the Year. Right. So kicking things off with Record of the Year, we have Paul's uh, little chance of winning area, which unfortunately includes... ABBA's Don't Shut Me Down. Sorry to ABBA. Uh, Mary J. Blige's Good Morning Gorgeous. And Brandy Carlisle featuring Lucius's You and Me on the Rock. The long shots, according to Paul, are Beyonce's Break My Soul, Doja Cat's Woman, and Kendrick Lamar's The Heart Part 5. Keith, talk to me about the front runners, though. Let's get into the good stuff. All right, so the front runners, according to Paul, are Adele's Easy on Me, Steve Lacey's Bad Habit, Lizzo's About Damn Time, and Harry Styles' As it was. Which is also Paul's likely winner, as it was. My likely winner. As it was, it's his likely likely winner. No one asked me, but my likely winner is Lizzo's About Damn Time. I I feel like record of the year, like we were talking about, you know, it's all about the production uh, value, about the performance from the artist. Uh, To me, About Damn Time is like the perfect fun disco upbeat hit from last year but keith what do you think i feel like it could kind of go any number of directions maybe as it was maybe about damn time i see a path for break my soul even though paul does not and you know bad habit and easy on me are completely uh, viable viable contenders as well so um i I don't want to be the person that's trying to bet on this category. Yeah, no. I mean, I think it's interesting that all four of Paul's frontrunners hit number one on the Hot 100, but so did Break My Soul, which is in his long shots um, for two weeks. So, like, 
it, it, clearly a crowded category of hits. Um, so good luck to you, Grammy voters, on that one. <laughs> this is why Paul does that 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 gig, and we don't. <laughs> Let's move on to Song of the Year. Keith, hit me with the uh, little chance of winning artists. According to Paul, the little chance of winning folks in this category are, and I'll, by the way, I'm not going to name these the writers of each song. I'm going to list the titles and the artist. Yes. So we have A, B, C, D, E, F, U by Gale. God Did by DJ Khaled featuring Rick Ross, Lil Wayne, Jay-Z, John Legend, and Friday. Those are just the two little chance of winning that Paul put in Song of the Year. And the long shots he has are Break My Soul by Beyonce, Just Like That by Bonnie Raitt, and The Heart Part 5 by Kendrick Lamar. Katie, who are the front runners and the likely winner in Song right. of the Year, according to let's, Paul? Let's get to the front runners first. We have Lizzo's About Damn Time. We have All Too Well, 10-minute version, the short film from Taylor Swift. We have Harry Styles' As It Was, Steve Lacey's Bad Habit, and Adele's Easy On Me. Paul picks Easy On Me in this category, and... While Easy On Me was not the bombastic, massive, like, hit. Uh, it's, it's crazy to think of it as a small hit, because what did it spend at number one? Like, eight weeks or something? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, so it's sure. like, a, it's Ten? minor compared to, like, Adele's Hello, Adele's um, Someone Like You or something, but that's ridiculous to even think of. But uh, what Easy On Me has going for it is some incredibly confessional lyrics, which, of course, Adele is known for. Um, and this is a songwriting category. So we're talking about, you know, Easy On Me really encapsulates the whole essence of her, you know, post-divorce album 30 um, and how she's singing to the perspective of like her son when he's like in his 20s um, and kind of saying apologizing to him for, you know, imploding their life. Um, so it's got that story um, working for it. Then I think that's probably why Paul chose it. But Keith, did you have any thoughts about what else could be contenders here? I mean, you know, it could be just another like Adele wins everything kind of night, which, <laughs> you know, I wouldn't be surprised by. I'd, um, be, I'd be surprised in, this year. I'd be surprised by uh, that. But any, anything is possible. Um, it, it, you know, I think this category or evidenced by the nominees, because, you know, the, you, we've, we've got a Bonnie Raitt in here. You know, we have a. Um, all too well here that is not in the record of the year category. So people are looking looking for nominees and winners in this category a little bit differently than they would for record of the year. So I think it's less about the production and the gloss and the sheen and sort of the th like the viral moments in this category. It's more about just sort of the song. Yeah. And so that's why like ballad, a ballad might help you hear something yep. that's very confessional might help something that's political could help. Well, um, all too yeah. well has like everything you just said. And and the interesting thing but is about it really that a song, new song. Well, that's the thing about it. So it obviously came out originally on Red. And what's interesting is that it was never nominated for Grammys uh, back when it originally came out. But it did have its first big showcase on the Grammy stage. She performed it at the piano and it sort of began its cultural moment on the Grammy stage but has not been awarded by the Recording Academy. So now there's this new version, a 10-minute version, has new verses, new lyrics, 
And clearly they felt like it um, rose to the occasion of making these top 10 nominees. But to your point, Keith, will voters look at it as a new song or will they look at it as a retread of a song that came out more than a decade ago? And we don't know. We don't know. So but that's going to really factor into uh, what happens here. So I, I think Paul makes a, a smart conservative choice here. We'll see what actually plays out on February 5th. Yeah. Should we move on to Best New Artist? Sure. Uh, Katie, who has little chance of winning again, according to Paul? OK, so he's got two artists in this category. Uh, one is the duo of Domi and J.D. Beck, and the other is Toby Nwigwe. And then we also have our long shots, who are Omar Apollo, Samara Joy, Molly Tuttle, and Wetleg. But then we have our front runners, Keith, and who might they be, according to Paul? According to Paul, they are Anita, Money Long, Lotto, and Monaskin. And Paul believes that Lotto is the likely winner for Best New Artist. I have different thoughts on this, I think. Uh, I have. I think two. a lot of people are going to have a lot of thoughts about. This I mean, category. it is a very uh, interesting, eclectic group of artists. Um, but to me, the front runners uh, that stand out are Anita and Monaskin. And I think that uh, I, I kind of am putting my weight a little more on Monaskin because I feel like Grammy voters, you know, want a rock resurgence, really respect rock, and and Monaskin are pretty great representatives of a classic uh rock group like a just you know they're rock stars and it's been fun to see their rise and they've had hits and uh it's interesting to look at lotto versus anita maybe or even money long all three of those artists had one big hit song anita being on volver money having uh hours and hours and lotto having big energy um so it's there's a lot to consider but i kind of feel like grammy voters might lean toward the rock side of things so that's that's where i'm that's where i'm going it'll be interesting to see where the grammy voters um who the voting body has gotten a lot more diverse in the past few years because Mm -hmm. they've done so much outreach it'll be interesting to see how that plays out in this category specifically um which could actually help lotto um or a money long um or or an anita it also makes you look at the diversity of this category right now, but also it makes you look at who's missing because we mentioned Gail earlier, uh, nominated for Song of the Year, but not nominated here. There was a lot of talk about Zach Bryan being a uh, shoe in in this category. Seems and like a glaring we, omission here. Sorry, yeah, people. like yeah, and then uh, then there's people who were affected by just the way the Grammy rules work, meaning that like someone like Steve Lacey could not be nominated because of his history with the internet and, uh, you know, previously, uh, I think being nominated on something. I don't know about that. Take that part out, <laughs> but, um, <laughs> or leave it in. Uh, I'll probably just leave it in. It's probably hard fine. to edit that part that's out. That's fine. But, uh, uh, I think that, you know, to your point about, I feel like it might be showing, like showing in the, in the group of nominations to see like Zach Bryan might not be here because maybe the, in the general field country isn't represented period. Like they're not in song of the year, album right. of the year, record of the year either. Um, Which may, maybe tells you about, you know, all the outreach they're doing to increase the voting body. Maybe they're not increasing it with a lot of country and folk and Americana type. Interesting. Folks. Okay, let's mm. let's move on to album of the year, our final big four category. Um, Keith, talk to me about little chance of winning. <sighs> According to Paul, <laughs> Abba's Voyage has little chance of winning, 
as does Mary J. Blige's Good Morning Gorgeous, the deluxe version, and Coldplay's Music of the Spheres. In the Long Shots category for Album of the Year, Paul says Brandy Carlisle's In These Silent Days, Kendrick Lamar's Mr. Morrell and the Big Steppers, and Lizzo's Special are all long shots here. But Katie, who are the frontrunners and the likely winner, again, according to Paul, for Album of the Year? It's hard to argue with these ones. We've got Adele's 30, Bad Bunny's Un Verano Sin Tea, Beyonce's Renaissance, and Harry Styles' Harry's House, and Paul pegs the likely winner as... Beyonce's Renaissance, and that's my likely winner too, Paul. Put it out into the universe. That's what I'd like to happen. It does feel like because the narrative has been so strong about how Beyonce has never won album of the year and Renaissance was such a conceptual album and it's a body of work from top to bottom, start to finish, and because it actually has big commercial success, big commercial hit singles on it, I think all that will help her. But she's up against Unveronicenti, this sort of, you know, career-making, stratospherically successful album for any artist or any Latin artist. And Adele, who has won this category twice before, also famously against Beyonce one year. And, you know, Harry Styles is awfully popular, too, as is, you know, so, you know, it'll to be me, tough. It'll be very tough. To me, we, you know, going into this Grammys, we talked a lot about how there was likely going to be the Adele versus Beyonce rematch. But to me, it's really a Beyonce versus Bad Bunny rematch or not rematch, a match, um, because I think Bad Bunny's album is the only one that even the Beehive would be like, you know, okay, we get why that one. Whereas everything else, like, doesn't hold a candle to Renaissance for me, even though they're all incredible albums. Like, huge albums came out last year. But um, Renaissance is, like you said, a top to bottom, like, piece of work, piece of art. Meanwhile, Break My Soul, you know, Paul had in the long shots for song and record of the year. But I think Renaissance has always been about the whole project. And so I think that's why it should be album of the year, because it works as such a whole thing together. There's there you my, go. Stump, my stump speech. But so you heard there you heard it from Keith and Katie and actually not really. And you Paul. heard it from Paul. <laughs> you heard it from Paul. We had nothing uh, to say here. We we'll, had no opinions. Yeah. I mean, we're not Grammy voters. We don't know what's happening, but uh, we'll find out on uh, Sunday, February 5th when the Grammys are here in Los Angeles. And of course, stick with us in the next few weeks because we will continue to talk all things Grammys. Well, now it's time for the chart stat of the week. It's actually just really a. Let's quiz Katie again. Um, (laughs) Let's do it. Let's let's keep it Grammy themed. Um, Katie, which of this year's eclectic 10 Best New Artist nominees has had a top 10 hit on the Billboard Hot 100 songs chart? I'll give you a hint. Only one of them has. I don't need your hint, Keith. <laughs> it's almost a, it's almost kind of a gimme, actually. To be uh, well, OK, it's a gimme because of what I do every day. But uh, looking at this list, I am very certain that the answer is Lotto, who went top 10 with big energy. Correct, Keith? You are correct. Yes. Katie Atkinson. Two for two in 2023 on Quiz Katie's. Woo. I got to change this up next week or just go back to the narration that I normally do in a story about telling you about something. But I like being um, a winner, so I appreciate it. 
<laughs> yeah, uh, uh, Big Energy went to the top 10 after the remix with Mariah and Khaled came yes. out. Um, that helped uh, it get to the top 10. Um, but yeah, the other nine have yet to have a top 10 hit, though Moniskin and Money Long have both had um, sizable 20s. hits. They just didn't make the top 10 with their with their hits. Yeah, I, I want to uh, say hours and hours might have even been like 11 or 12, like very close. It was in the teens. It was somewhere. Okay. It was somewhere Never below mind. ten. Somewhere below ten, but above twenty. How about that? <laughs> we'll take it. <laughs> I don't have it in front of me. Okay. Um, anyway, there's your chart stat of the week. It's really not a chart stat. It's me just asking Katie <laughs> Grammy trivia, sort of. Okay. Anyway, all right. Uh, we've reached the end of our big show. Uh, any parting words, Katie? Well, I'm thinking we should go out on one of these uh, big ABBA four nominees at, at the ABBA Voyage. Oh show? well, if well, I mean, we could do that. Or uh, do they play "Don't Shut Me Down," the record of the year nominee from ABBA? They do. Oh, they well, then let's do. go out on that. We'll go out on "Don't Shut Me Down," and we'll see you guys next week. Bye. Bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply.